so I write down stuff. Okay. Second Kings chapter number 6. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Now, <laughs> I know we're going to get into this. I want you to remember this moment and don't ever forget. You were there. You were there. You were actually in the service. You heard it. Uh, I've, this is really good. There's places I'd die for this, but you can take it down just a little monitor down, down, down. Everybody okay? Oh, you're the man. There you are. I was wondering why that guy was looking at me like, whatever you're doing, you're doing a good job. Praise God. Okay, you can <laughs> take it down just a little more. Just praise God. Itty bitty. Praise the Lord. And then as for them, you can work that out with them. With him. All right. That's what he's there for. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Let's try it again. Verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight, meaning narrow, for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. Let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Let's pray together and ask that our holy God would absolutely talk to all of us tonight. Lord Jesus, we need you. In this world we're living in, God, this time, this place, this season, Touch us, God. Teach us, God. Mold us and make us. Give us your mind and your wisdom and your insight. And God, bestow great, awesome faith in our hearts. Do the work, God, that only you are able to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you so much. You may be seated. Now, in our text tonight, it's pretty obvious uh, what has taken place here. It's not like we're wading our way through some of the imagery of the book of Revelation. This is a pretty straightforward situation. You have the sons of prophets, i.e. meaning young prophets that were band together and yet they were in a house that was too small for them so their desire was to build a 
a, a bigger, more comfortable place, entirely understandable. Uh, they ran it by the prophet Elisha. He said, go. They asked him if he would please come with them. And I think that's always a noble thing when those that are younger in ministry value the presence of those that are older in ministry. And so this speaks well of them. And uh, so they go, they are felling the trees to create the beams, to build the houses, amen, or the house rather. And one of them, in the process of swinging his axe, and we can just picture it in our mind, he's, he's doing what, what, what men have done from time immemorial, and as he was swinging the axe, and he drew the axe handle back for yet another swing, when he brought it back, there was no axe head on it. Now, there's probably a relatively small number of us here uh, that have had that happen to us as of late. Amen. And perhaps some of the youth here are not familiar with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just a fact of life. But I can remember when I was young and we'd walk to school six miles through snow um, that's another story I'm sorry uh, uh, when I was young and 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 the hammers and things of that nature around my grandpa's place with which we had to work uh, there was times those 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 hammerheads would fly off and so some of us here can really relate to that and of course the way we treated them they were bound to fall off eventually which made my grandpa thrilled. At any rate, so in this moment and in this day, and especially in that time, uh, when, he, when he drew back and he went to hit the tree and, and he knew instantly something was wrong, and, and as he quickly turned, maybe he happened to see the last slight glance, or maybe he just heard the splash and saw the ripples, but... But out in yonder river was the axe head. Now this is not in the 21st century. This is not where you go down to Home Depot and buy another axe head. Amen. Uh, this isn't where you can order one online. You don't have eBay in the days of Elisha. And, and, and these... This time frame is not all that removed from the days, amen, where, where there literally was no smiths in Israel. Amen. The, there were people here that could relate to, to the text of Samuel that spoke of, of there not being any smiths in Israel because the Philistines, amen, did not allow it to be so. Now, it was not that day, but they could relate to that. And even now that there were smiths, they were probably few and far between. And the processes of making axe heads was the slow, arduous, amen, fire and forge and hammer and anvil process. There was not the vast machinery that we have today that can mass produce the axe heads. Much like, and if I can, I, I, I want to draw your attention to this. In, in the scripture, when it speaks, especially in the Old Testament, you, you, you only see it a couple of times in the New Testament, but often in the Old Testament, 
when, when, when someone in a moment of deep distress, anguish, sorrow, shock, calamity, would grab and rend their garments, such as when Job, a man, heard of the loss of all. Uh, we can read that and not really relate, but you have to understand these were all in those days. There were nothing but handmade garments. People go to a tailor today and, and handmade does not mean what it meant in those days. Handmade today means that it still comes off of the loom and they happen to sew it up, amen, and cut it by themselves. But, but not in those days. Hand, everything was handmade. You had, to, you had to have a weaver's loom. You had to create the cloth. You had to sew it together. So garments were, amen, you, you didn't go to garage sales to find garments in those days. They were very, very precious commodities. Amen. That's why oftentimes you find them being valued as much as currency. Amen. In the Scripture. Literally. So, so I'm, I'm giving you that to really... We take so many things for granted today. Because we're in such an affluent country. And there's so many blessings. And you can walk into a place, amen, from Goodwill to Nordstrom's. And there's rack after rack after rack and, and all kinds of things, amen, that, that are so easily accessible to us today. Again, you can go to Lowe's. You can go to Home Depot. You can find every size, type, make of axe head you can imagine, amen. But in that day and that time, this was a big deal. He lost the axe head. And... He said, alas, Master, it was borrowed. When it states that he cried, I want you to know the boy cried. I mean, he let out a yelp. He screamed and he ran to the prophet Elisha and said, alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And now here's a young prophet that went to somebody and said, we're wanting to build a larger house. Can I borrow your axe? This is no small thing. This is no small thing. In that day and time, it was as big a deal or maybe even bigger deal than saying, can I borrow your car? And there's some people that they come and they say, can I borrow your car for a little bit? You don't think twice about it. There's other folks, your heart goes in your throat. Okay? Now, this man with the axe, borrowing the axe head, he's a good young man. He's... He's in, the, he's in the school of the prophets. Uh, he's certainly, hopefully, not going to steal it, etc. And so, but still, this, you, they don't just grow on trees. And, and, and maybe there was some trepidation. Maybe in the process of working up enough guts to borrow the axe, and maybe, maybe the man, a little bit of rep, reticence, giving it back. Amen. All of that contributed to his cry. Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? He pointed to the place. And the prophet cuts down a stick and he throws the stick. He casts the stick out to where the first splash hit. And while they're all watching, all of a sudden, something begins to float to the surface. And all eyes squint. And everybody's looking. And they're thinking, 
no. He said, oh, no, 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 that was Elisha. Oh, no, 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 no. They were saying, whoa, what is it? That, that, that stick must have knocked loose a piece of bark or something that was wedged down there. There's something floating. And the Bible tells us, amen, that the iron did swim. I don't believe it produced arms and did the backstroke. But I, as they were looking out there, they see this something come to a surface and then it begins to move around, leaving its ripples of water and it's making its way towards the young prophet. The young prophet is standing on the banks with his eyes wide open. All the other prophets are watching with their eyes and no doubt some of their mouths open as it comes up. And the prophet says, reach your hand out and pick it up. And he feels it. It's the iron. It's the axe head. And I can only imagine as he stares at that. And all of the other prophets looking at it. I can see him putting it back on the axe head. Amen. Putting some kind of a wedge in it. Maybe soaking the axe head or soaking the axe handle overnight to get it good and tight. Amen. But I can see in my mind's eyes the days go by. The prophet's walking by and picking that up. Just feeling it. That really is heavy. I mean, that's the real deal. And, and, and laying it back down. Because that was no small thing in that day, in that time. Now, I'm not going to go deeply theological with anybody tonight. This is going to be as plain Jane as I can get it. I'm going to speak to you from my heart. First of all, I was not raised in this beautiful one God, Jesus' name, apostolic truth. I was not raised around church and hearing the stories and hearing testimonies of this one and that one and the other one that that had received their healing amen and and had their cancer healed amen or or or, or had their deaf ear unstopped or 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 had God fixed their bones, amen, or the testimonies of, of the miraculous financial miracles. I wasn't raised around any of that. I never heard not one time any of that, amen. The times and places I was made aware that, that there was something out there from, from various quote-unquote Pentecostal movements going on, amen, I didn't, it was, it was always by the time it was delivered to me, it was in such a context of chicanery and sham and na 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 that, that, that it was just, it was just poo pooed and you don't believe it and it's just out there and forget it and, and, and they're just, they're just a joke and they're hucksters and they're this and that. And so can I tell you that as a young man growing up and as a teenager, yet there was always something in me that said somewhere, oh God, I, 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 I wish, I wish, if this is all there is to life, 
If all you do is you, is you go to school and you try to get some grades, which I didn't do too hot at, and, 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 then, and, then, and then in my case you drink and you, and you do drugs and, you, and, 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 and all of this. And, and then you look around and you see the moms and the dads, God bless their hearts, that we did work and, and, they, and they tried to raise their kids right and they tried to provide and keep clothes on their back and food on the table and, and, and they go to work and it was 8 to 5 and, and, and then they get off on weekends and they do that 50 to 51, maybe two weeks a year, amen, but they got a week or two weeks vacation, and then they would go somewhere, and they'd come back, and they would do all of that day after day, and week after week, and month after month, and year after year, amen, and it just seemed to me, amen, as, 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 a, as a life that was devoid of anything, really. and I would stop, and I would say, is this it, is this, is this it, and I remember, amen, uh, a, a, a worldly singer, and she was old when she sung it. Amen. She put out a song called, Is That All There Is? Is that all there is, my friend? Amen. And that, if, if that's all it is, let's just keep on drinking. Let's just keep on partying. Let's just roll it out and have a ball, if that's all there is. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I would think, oh... And, and then there was another song when I was a teenager. And, and, and it said something like, Wouldn't it be nice to believe in magic? Wouldn't it be nice to believe? And I used to think, and I, and I, was, and I, I knew that the magicians, I, I'd read up on Houdini and I'd find out that how he did most of his tricks and, and all of this stuff. And it was just a trick and it was just a sham. And it was just something down inside of me, amen, that, that wanted to know, surely there's got to be more to life than this. Hallelujah. Well, I, I'm here to preach to us for just a little while tonight. I, I, here's the title of what I want to preach about. Brothers and sisters, the iron still swims. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, God is still God. And God is still mighty. And God is still powerful. And He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And by the mercy and the grace of God, I've now been in this one God, Jesus name, apostolic way for 35 years. And can I tell you, the iron still swims. God is still on the throne. He still does the miraculous. He's not changed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This first night of camp meeting, I just feel like the Holy Ghost wants to say, come on church, I'm still here. I still work the miracles. I'm still able. I'm still mighty. You do understand, and I repeat myself, and I know I do, and I apologize, but in today's economy, situation, society. He did just said, Mr. Elisha, at worst, can I borrow a few bucks? I borrowed the accent. Can I go down to Home Depot and get another accent? Amen. If there was such a moment of anguish on somebody's life that they ran their garments, it's not that big a deal. They got a closet full of them at home they can replace it with. But in those days and those times, it was not that way. Can I, can I bring it down to us? And, I, and, and let me tell you something. Any kid one week out of Bible college can go any church in our fellowship and get anybody under condemnation.
minute. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not besmirching anything or anybody. So, so that's not my point. But we can run to Lowe's. We can run to the clothing stores. We can run to the doctors. Most of us probably got insurance. I'm not saying to cancel it. You realize we've got so much readily accessible that if I can put it this way, God doesn't have to do as much. And because we have so much, and we lean so much in so many quarters because He's blessed us so much, amen, we're not as desperate in need for the miraculous. But all of that doesn't mean that the irons still don't swim. It doesn't mean that God's changed. It doesn't mean that He doesn't have everything. Amen. He's got all that we're able to ask or think. Hallelujah. A lot of times it's just, it's just, it goes down to desperation. And I'll dare say that God only knows how many hundreds, possibly thousands of testimonies are in this congregation tonight. And I know it's Wednesday night. We know Wednesday night is not the biggest crowd. We understand that. Amen. But God only knows how many thousands of testimonies are in this congregation tonight. Amen. Based on days and times and moments in your life when your back was to the wall and the proverbial knife was to your throat and you had nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. So somewhere you looked up and in that moment your great God came down and your great God moved and your great God showed mercy and your great God proved to you the iron still swims. I'm still on the throne. I still know how to move. I still know how to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Some, we, we move into such comfort zones. Amen. And I'm not getting off into eschatology right now. Study of future things. I leave that to people that can look through that haze clearer than I can. I do ten times better with the book of Acts than I do the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. I do not know what the little toe on the right foot of the beast means. I don't know. I don't know. Amen. I don't know when Jesus is coming. It's a whole lot less than some people don't, but I don't know. And I vote. I mean, if God's taking votes, I vote for pre-trib rapture theory. That's where my vote lies. I don't know if he's taking votes, but if he is, that's what I hope happens. But I also know this. Whether it happens like I hope, or we all think or not, ain't none of that going to change God. He's still God. He's still on the throne. He's still mighty. He's still powerful. And we got a God that can keep his people. We got a God that can bless his people. We got a God that still answers prayer. We've got a God that wants to show the world how big and glorious he really is. But sometimes we get so comfortable. I will never forget. I will never forget. 
Amen. Dear little sister Lucille in the first church that I pastored in Miami, Oklahoma. Hallelujah. I like to build people up and then let them down. <laughs> in Miami, Oklahoma. And uh, the way Sister Lucille got into the church was pretty neat. We were having outreach that's on a Saturday morning. I wish I could tell you this happened every Saturday morning, but it didn't. But it's, it was a good Saturday morning. I said, today, before we go anywhere, let's pray very hard and ask rather than the systematic going through the city. And there's a time and a place for the systematic going through the city. Don't kid yourself. Amen. But, 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 but let's this morning say, God, you show me where you want me to go. So I said, let's pray. Let's pray. And there was two ladies. And one lady stood up and said, I feel like I need to go to F Street. And another lady said, I felt the same thing. So these two ladies went to F Street. And the very first house they knocked on, this little quasi-elderly lady, well, that's terrible. I was 23 in those days. She's probably younger than me. Strong, robust, fine old lady. Answered the door. They said, hello, we're some First United Pentecostal Church. She said, wait, you're Pentecostal? I said, yes. She said, oh, Jesus! Said last week, she said, I prayed. She said, when I was a young girl, I remember visiting a Pentecostal church. I never felt anything like that in my life. She said, I've just been so hungry. I don't have anything. I'm, I mean, I mean, she had a home and all that. She goes, but I'm, I'm so bereft of God. And she said, I never got that out of my mind. And last week, I said, Jesus, I want to be saved. Would you send a Pentecostal to my door? So the next day she came, she went to the altar. We baptized her in Jesus' name. About two weeks later, she got the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Sister Lucille had a mother that was 84 years old. So Lucille really was quite a bit older than I am now. Anyway. But, and, 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 and she called me up one day. She said, my mother's been diagnosed with cancer. And... Yeah, she's got it all through her, her uh, body. And said, they tell her that she's too old. There's too much to even dream of doing any chemo or anything. And so I was standing there, and I, I started comforting her, and said, you know, we a lot of things we don't understand in life, but we know God's good and God's faithful, and we're going to pray with your mama, and we're going to. And, and Lucille looked, I'll never forget this. She said, Brother Booker, did you come here to comfort me? I said, well, let's say you have She said, no, I don't need no comfort. I got some oil. She pulled out a big bottle of oil. We're going to pray for my mama. I don't want to be comforted. I want us to pray for my mama. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. So I got some oil. I laid hands and prayed for her mama. There was no lightning bolt. There was no earthquake. Amen. There was, there was no thunder roll. There was just, we just prayed for her mama. <clears throat> After a while, I stepped back, and Lucille said, Isn't God awesome? 
Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> I said, God's good. God's great. They took her down to the Claremore Indian Hospital. And uh, Lucille called me about three or four days later. She said, I sat there for 12 hours. They kept taking my mama in and out, in and out, in and out. She said, this is what's happened with my mother. And she said, all the cancer in her body is gone. <laughs> Except there is one cancer about the size of a golf ball. It's the only thing left in her body. That's why I had to sit there. All they kept in and out, in and out, in and out, checking everything. And said it's about the size of a golf ball in her stomach. And they said, based on that size and, and how robust she is now, they feel like she could handle radiation. She said, so what do I do? I'm thinking, God, you took it off. Why didn't you take that? I mean... And, and I prayed and prayed about it. And Lucille said, what am I going to do? I said, I, I really don't know. I said, but for some reason, God did leave that. And if they say she can handle it, let's prayerfully walk her through it. She said, okay. So three days a week, they'd take her up to Joplin, Missouri, where they would do the radiation. And I found out why God left that cancer. Because every day that Lucille took her mother, amen, three times a week while they were doing that with her mother, she was going to every single room in that hospital and finding every single patient in that hospital. And she was telling them, I want to tell you about my Jesus. I want to tell you about Pentecost. I want to tell you about the power of the Holy Ghost. I want you to tell you about what God did for my mama. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? The iron still swims. God is still big. He's still powerful. Hey, young person, believe God. He wants to move in your world. He wants to move in your life. He wants to answer your prayer. Hallelujah. There's just something about a certain faith, a certain desire, a, a certain unction. Amen. I remember, I remember Sister Johnny, and, and when Sister Johnny got the Holy Ghost, it was on a, it was on a Sunday morning. Now, her husband was a trucker. He was a bad dude. Oh, he was a bad dude. And 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 our church was small, and and uh, he would he'd come to pick up his wife. Well, he had that big semi, and he would park as close as he could to the front door, and he'd leave the engine running, knowing that that's almost all we could hear. And so I'd have to say, Mr. Soundman, turn up the mic. Of course, I was the sound man, so I'd just go turn it up myself. I'd say to myself, self, go turn up the mic. And so I'd do that so I could, how, so I could get louder than the... Amen. And so one morning we was going through all that, and I was preaching, and the Holy Ghost was just, it was coming down thicker and thicker and thicker, and Johnny never had the Holy Ghost, and, and, and it just hit me, and I hit the pulpit, and I said, if you want the Holy Ghost, jump up and get it. I hit the pulpit. She jumped up in the air. When she landed on her feet, she was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Then, 
she started jumping like a, a rabbit, hopping. She's hopping all around the church, talking in tongues. I mean, she's lost. Her husband, Oles, he's sitting out there. He's smoking his cigarette. He's got to hop, 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 hop. And all of a sudden, the front door flies open. And there's his wife hopping all around his truck like a, like a bunny rabbit, talking in tongues. It's just like God said, I'll show you a thing or two. Hallelujah. And so they lived about 20 miles out, and they, they, they lived in a place called Grove, Oklahoma, not too far from Grand Lake of the Cher Cherokees. And, and, oh, I could tell you stories. But at any rate, uh, uh, he, had, he had oak trees, oak trees. I had thousands upon thousands of oak trees, but he was oak tree rich but cash poor. And anyway, uh, so he would cut down trees and take them up to Wichita, sell for $165 a cord. Wish I could get one now for that. And, uh, and all that stuff. And, uh, and so anyway, she'd been having to miss a lot of church because Les had her busy doing this and that and that and the other. And it was a Sunday morning and her two little kids had the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. And they said, Mama, we don't want to miss church. She goes, I promise you, I don't care what happens. We're going to church in the morning. It doesn't matter. We are going to church. And they went out there and they got in the car and they started driving and boom, boom, boom. She stopped. Flat tire. She goes, opens the trunk, starts to get up. The spare tire is flatter than a flitter. She goes to the garage to see if the air uh, pump is there. It's not there. She's crying. The kids are crying. Mama, we want to go to church. She said, get back in the car. She started up. She put it in gear. Tears going down her face. She said, it's 20 miles. And Les will have to buy a new car, if not at least a new rim. But we're going to church. And so... Going down the long dirt road down to the pavement. Clunker, 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 clunker. Gets on the pavement. Clunker, 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 They say, Mama, what happened? She's crying. I don't know. I don't know, but we're going to church. She comes to gets out of the car. The tire's full. The tires fall. I'm telling you, the iron still swims. God's still on the throne. He's a mighty God. She come into church. She was as excited as a school kid. She testified her kids were jumping up and down. And after service, that tire was flatter than a flitter. But next door... To our church was a tire shop. Can I tell you, the iron still swims. My Bible lets me know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. He's still mighty. Amen. I don't know why and where and how and what all God does, why He does when He does. I don't, I don't have those equations and those solutions. I don't understand why my wife's Aunt Catherine, who drinks 
and smokes and cusses and carries on. Years ago, amen, she had a bad car wreck. And her foot from the ankle down, from where the ankle starts, was utterly, totally smashed, literally to smithereens. The only thing left was a sack. And the doctor said, amen, that everything has been basically ground to little tiny chunks. So we need to amputate. It's, the infection will be here with our best estate in just a matter of a couple days. And Catherine said, I'll die, but you won't take my foot off. But her mother prayed, and the rest of her family was in church. And they started praying. And they called Sister Booker and I. And we started praying for that cussing, drinking, smoking Aunt Catherine. And they have the x-rays to this day that went down in medical history where they can watch. Today, she walks, she wiggles her toes, she twists her ankles. And they have the x-ray history of where over the weeks... In front of the doctor's eyes, they saw the mush come back together and begin to form bones and begin to form sockets and begin. I'm telling you, the iron still swims. I'm telling you, God is still on the throne and God is still mighty. Hallelujah. We can never, amen, get it out of our mind that we have a mighty, powerful, glorious God. We're in the 21st century. Our society's going to Hades in a handbasket. And if anybody ever stood up and told their classmates and told their co-workers and told their neighbors, we got a mighty God, we've got a healing God, we've got a powerful God, and He's our God and His name is Jesus. Don't be afraid to tell them that the iron still swims. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that spiritual laws are never subject to natural laws. But all natural laws they may be natural as surely as what goes up must come down. But I don't care, even that one is subject to spiritual laws. Because one of these days in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, we are going up. And we're not coming back down like the world considers coming back down. We'll come back Amen. On ten thousands, thousands of white horses. Amen. But we're not going to fall, brother. We got a God that's mighty. And all natural laws are subject to the laws and the movings of God. The iron still swims, still moves. 
still happens. Old brother C.A. Nelson. Y'all, everybody remember C.A. Nelson of any age at all. I remember hearing C.A. Nelson. I was just a young man. Talk about how that back in the Depression, he had to mail a letter for the work of God. I'll tell you how bad it was. It cost a penny to mail a letter in them days. So you can figure. But he didn't have a penny. He did not have one penny to mail that letter. And he said, God, I need a penny. This is your work. It's not my work. I need a penny to mail that letter. He said it wasn't five minutes. He opened the door and there was a little neighbor could. Standing there with two pennies in his hands. He said, Brother Nelson, one of these is yours. And one of them is mine. He said, where'd you get that? He said, I found them in the street. And I ran and showed my daddy. And my daddy said, you keep one and you take the other one to Brother Nelson. He may need to mail a letter. And I don't know how many times I heard the elder say, I don't know why I don't pray for a million dollars. Well, if your back's to the throat and the knife's to back to the wall, knife to your throat, you probably pray for a million dollars. And we've been there. I remember one time, amen, that... Uh, One morning I woke up, I was preaching in Phoenix. Larry Andy, my youngest son, was with me, just a little boy. Went to pick up my glasses so I could read something, and the, the earpiece fell off. That tiny little screw fell out. I got down on my knees, and I was feeling everywhere for that. Feeling everywhere, feeling everywhere. I thought, come on, it's got to be here. Finally, I started praying. I said, Jesus, you know where that little screw is. Please help me. And I felt and felt and felt and felt and felt and felt, felt and I couldn't find it nowhere. So, I didn't spend 10 years in Oklahoma for nothing. I, I got a straight pin, put it in there, bent it up, and the glasses were cockeyed, but, you know. I... So, we loaded up, got our luggage all together, we were headed out the door, and, uh, I thought I'd go back and make sure we didn't leave anything. And they had a little uh, game token there on the, on the table, and I started to pick it up, and it fell out of my hands, and rolled under the bed. I said, I ain't going to get it. I was halfway out the door, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I thought you wanted that screw for your glasses. I said, Larry Andy, you watch right now. I said, I don't know where that little screw is, but we're fixing to find it right now. And I just knew wherever that token was, that screw was there. I got down on my hands and knees and it rolled under the bed. I started feeling, feeling. I don't know how that token got where it did. And I certainly don't know how that little screw got there.
but I'm feeling and I feel the token and I start moving my finger around it and right next to it was that little screw that little tiny screw meant more to me I'm going to tell you why it meant so much to me. Because a few years before, I had read about diamond mining in South Africa. How some of the greatest diamond mines in the world are in South Africa. And now they've got modern techniques, but, but for decades after decades, and still to some degree, what would happen is, a geologist would go his way, stick with me, and he'd be working, gobing streams, draws, even where there was no streams, but used to be, and they would look for something. It was a clay-like material. might be hard. If there's water around, it might be soft. It was clay, and it, be, it got named Kimberlite for Lord Kimberly, the great diamond merchant. But they would go through and look for this, and when they would find the Kimberlite, then they would either, with water they had or with the water of the streams, they would start working the clay of the timberlite, kimberlite with water moving, panning, amen, going through, going through. And if they found a sliver, just a tiny little sliver of a piece of a diamond, not worth enough to buy your lunch. But they would take that tiny little sliver, put it in a bag, take it back. They would check it out. If it was indeed diamond, not enough to buy a lunch, then they'd start buying all the mineral rights from whoever owned that land and that draw and that creek bed. They would start investing machinery. They would put in hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment, looking, sifting, going, because they knew there's diamonds there. The way they knew the diamonds were there was that little tiny substance. Now, faith is and it may be little, and it may be tiny, as a screw to your glasses. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. We'll invest hundreds of thousands because we know it's there somewhere. We've got the evidence. We've got the substance. When C.A. Nelson got that pin in his hand, he had the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. He knew my God is big and my God is mighty. When I found that little tiny screw, I can't tell you what it did to me. A few weeks later, I found out I owed $2,500 in taxes. That was back in the days when I don't even know what to compare it to. 
I did have, however, $500. And I had to pay 2000 more. And I didn't have it. And I was up on the hill outside my house praying about that. I said, now, God, you helped me. And you're going to help me. Because you helped me in Phoenix. And I found that little tiny screw. And you're the same God that helped me find that little tiny screw. And you've got that $2,000. And you're going to help me. And I started to leave the mountain. It was a bright moonlit night. Amen. But I was at a little pen light. And I opened my Bible and I started reading. My eye instantly. Where Jesus had to pay taxes. And he told Simon Peter, go catch a fish in its mouth. You'll find a piece of gold. Pay taxes for me and thee. And I said, God, I'm going to keep doing what you called me to do. You called me to be a fisher of men. I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to pastor. I'm going to try and reach the lost. I'm going to do what you called me to do. And you're going to take care of it. Within a few days, I had a man come to me. He didn't look too, none too happy about it. He said, the Lord told me to give you this. And he left. It looked so sad. And I opened it up, and it was $800. It was $1,200. Whoa! $1,200. I mean, in $100 bills. I said, God, I only need 800 more. It was a few days before the tax man cometh. I said, God, I still need 800 more. That same man came to me with that same sad look. He said, the Lord spoke to me. He told me to give you this. And he walked away, sadly. And I opened it up, and it was $800. Can I tell you? The iron still swims. God is the same. He's never changed. Young man, he'll do miracles for you. Young lady, he'll come on the scene in your behalf. It doesn't matter who you are, what your name is, what your background, where you're from. My God, let him be true in every man alive. He is the same. later I needed 25,000 I mean I really needed I didn't just want it I needed it and I said God and you might want to keep this in mind I said I wouldn't have to ask you for it if I hadn't given it away and it's not something I'm just going to blow. You see it's needed. That month, out of the blue, I mean from quarters and sources, by the end of the month, I had 25000 A few years later, I needed 45000 Like really bad. I had no idea how bad I needed it. And I said, God, I wouldn't have to ask you for it if I hadn't given it away. But I, like, really need this. I prayed for about three, four, five months. 
It wasn't coming. And the time was drawing nigh. And one night God gave me a message to preach to our church called, He's an on-time God. He's an on-time God. And he was on time, but I wasn't that night. I was running a little late, and I was coming in the back door, and somebody said, 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 uh, Sister so-and-so, she really needs to talk to you. And she was a good, precious, elderly lady, and she never asked for my time, but this was a bad time. I had to get up there. I had to get on the platform. I had to preach. He's an on-time God. But Sister Marie, she was sweet. She was faithful. She was founding member of our church from the time she was six years old. She was in her 70s. And I said, okay. And I, I said, just start singing without me. And I went over there and I said, Sister Marie, how are you doing? And I said, she was telling me about her aches and pains. And yeah, yeah. Bless her heart. And I know I understand. She, she asked me where I'd been. And I told her I'd been. And, and uh, I got a message. I got a preach called He's an on-time God. And services started, and I'm sitting here, but God bless you. And um, she said, well, I wanted to give you something. And she put something in my hand. I, I said, okay, thank you, sis. And I went up there, and I didn't know what it was. And a little, little envelope, and I opened it up. There was my $45,000. It was fun preaching that night. He's an on-time God. I'm telling you, He's an on-time God. I'm telling you, the iron still swims. I'm telling you, He's still mighty. He's still holy. He has not changed. Hallelujah! seated but musicians come give them hope don't play yet <laughs> just stand by the so they'll they'll know the end draweth nigh I'm looking at so much here I, I'm looking at so so much uh, I can tell you about little old sister Josefina Two months ago, she was riding her bike. She's a new convert. Precious little Spanish darling. Riding her bike, loving the Lord. And a lady hit her with her car. Bad. Really bad. Broke her spine in two places. Her legs were twisted. While she's laying in the middle of the street, the lady stands there looking at her, talking to her husband on the cell phone for 20 minutes wondering what she should do finally somebody drove by and saw it, called the ambulance she goes into the hospital spine's broken two places contusions she's tore up but the iron still swims she was out of the hospital within 10 days the doctor said, I think 
we need to give you these x-rays. And here was the x-rays of her spine broken in two places. And here's the x-rays of her spine. Perfect. We're just talking about a big God. We're talking about a mighty God. We're talking about a God that has never, ever changed. He's never, ever changed. Let's all stand. Several years ago when my boys were just starting to get in their teens, we went to uh, a passion play in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And there's a little white church on a hillside there. I went back this last year. They have since changed it and made me sick. But you'd go in there and they'd sit down and they'd play a tape. They'd talk about the history of Eureka Springs, the spiritual history. We're sitting there with my boys, and they talked about Bethany Orphanage, Brother Lee Floyd, and Sister Victoria. My boys said, Dad! I said, Boys! We sat and listened back through that three times. Just that, because we all knew Lee Floyd. I pastored him in Miami, Oklahoma. He got the Holy Ghost in 1910. He, was, he got the revelation of Jesus' name in 1915 in Houston. Charlie Smith preached it and he got the revelation. Him and Charlie Smith left Houston and went to Elton, Louisiana to preach that Bible conference. It was him and Charlie Smith together that preached it. When he died, him and an Assembly of God preacher were the only two men left alive that had been both in Hot Springs, Arkansas, 1914 when they formed the assemblies and was in St. Louis, Missouri in 1916 when they showed the door to those that baptized in Jesus' name and believed in the oneness of the mighty God in Christ. But Brother Floyd, he had an orphanage in Eureka Springs in the same years that D.C.O. Opperman had the Bible college there. And I went back to the site of the old mineral Palace Hotel, where it used to be. I stood there at the new building that took its place, two new buildings. And I remember Brother Floyd telling me, I've got him on tape, 13 tapes. He talked about the early, early days of Pentecost. And how that in those early days, the mighty revelation of Jesus' name, the miracles that would take place in the orphanage, like the time when they lost their funding because of their stands for the oneness of God. Amen. And they were reduced to feeding both Opperman's Bible School and the kids in the orphanage biscuits and water gravy twice a day, 8 a.m., 2 p.m. That's all they had. And old Sister Mary Krause, who married C.P. Williams, worked there in those days. And that's where Pop Williams, C.P. Williams, went to the Bible College. And... And, 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 and the cook told Brother Floyd, said, this was the last meal. In the morning, we have no more flour. He said, just let him sleep. We'll pray, see what happens. Don't wake him up.
He heard the bell long about 7.30 saying breakfast in 30 minutes. He went down there, biscuits and water gravy, and the cook was putting the food on the tables. She was crying. She was crying. Brother Floyd went back with her into the kitchen. He said, what happened? She said, well, early this morning I was praying because we didn't have nothing to eat. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go look in the flour bin. She said, I opened it up and there was just enough flour for us to have a good breakfast, biscuits and water gravy. That afternoon about 1.30, Brother Floyd heard the bell again. He went down there. She's putting out the biscuits and the water gravy. She said, he spoke to me. About 1 o'clock, I looked in there and there was more flour. The next morning, he heard the bell. The next afternoon, he heard the bell. The next morning, the next afternoon, the next morning. For 10 days... Our God, your God, my God, that's the God we serve. The God you're living for. Our God put flour in the flour bin. It was as big a miracle as he did for Elijah and he did for Elisha. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The iron still swims. On the 11th morning, no bell. He went down there. She said, I looked in the flower bin three times. Ain't nothing. He said, don't wake the kids. We'll pray. So they prayed, sought God. Long about 9 o'clock, his first matter of business, he went to the post office get the mail and there was a letter and he opened it up saying I don't remember exactly X number of days ago the Lord spoke to me to send you this and on the 11th morning he got a check for $100 which in 1918 was a bunch of money because the iron still swims. And he said, so Brother Booker, the people that own the theater downtown, they let us have a meeting there. And the, and the orphanage kids were going to be singing and was going to be preaching. And we went out and talked to everybody we could and the Bible school kids. Come on down to the theater. We're going to have church. And it was just like this. And the crowds kept getting a little bigger, a little bigger. Now and was pretty full. The difference between that and this was between this platform and where these young people are sitting was an orchestra pit. Remember them old orchestra pits? that went down that people would play their music. Then you come up and that's where the people would sit. So he said, on this given night, amen, the orphanage choir was singing. And the Holy Ghost started falling. And it got thicker and thicker 
And one of the girls started shouting, and then another, then another, then another. They were shouting and dancing all over the platform. People were shouting and dancing out there. Visitors, sinners, sitting there looking, watching. What? No, we didn't know what's going on. And Brother Floyd said, Brother Booker, it was like a maestro that was bringing it all together. All of a sudden, brought the baton down and stopped everything. And everybody stopped. Except for a sister, Dorothy. For years I said it was Virginia. I thought it was Virginia. But I just transcribed the tapes and I'm going to make a book out of it. But it was Dorothy. One little girl kept dancing. It's like everybody just stopped. was oblivious. She was dancing in the Holy Ghost just like she had been. And the pulpit was at the edge of the platform and there was the orchestra pit and Dorothy stepped off the platform. And everybody went, <gasps> but she didn't fall. She danced in midair in front of everybody's eyes he said when she got to the other side of the pulpit and her foot hit the platform it was like the maestro said alright let's go and everybody started singing and worshiping and everybody started shouting and before it was over, 200 people had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you the iron still swims? Can I tell you God is still on the throne? Can I tell you He's still powerful? Whatever you got a need for, my God's big enough, great enough, and He's here tonight. Anybody got a need from God? Anybody got a need in your body? Anybody got a financial need? Anybody got a brother, sister, son, or daughter that needs something from God? I'm telling you, the iron still swims, and my God is still on the throne. He may not come. If you're here tonight and you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, won't you step out? Won't you begin to make your way down? Amen. Telling God how much you need Him, how hungry you are, how desperate you are. I'm telling you, my God will fill you with the gift of the oh, Holy yes, Ghost. And I don't care what your situation is, or if you just say, God, I want to get closer. This altar's open. Step on down, brothers. Step on down, young person. Be there Come right on, on time, for He's an on time God. Oh, yes, He is. Oh, he's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. He's an on-time God. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, he may not come when you want him. We'll be there right on time, for he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. 